Welcome to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. I'm your host, Kristen Thomas. I'm a certified sex coach and clinical sexologist based in Kansas City. And I just love to talk to people about what goes on in their sex lives and relationships. I also enjoy good conversation about love, heartache, activism, or making change in the world. Be warned, you should probably be 18 and over and probably listening on your headphones. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Keep Them Coming. Fair warning, uh, the content of this episode is freaking amazing. My guests, Katie, they sound wonderful. However, I majorly fucked up on my setup, I guess. I, I guess I didn't have it recording on my Yeti microphone. Uh, a way to check because I record through Zoom. So, um, lesson learned. I need to check my settings. Uh, it sounded good in my headphones, but then when I actually went back to edit this episode, it sounded like I fucked up. So, please still listen. <laughs> I, I mean, I know I have a hard time when audio is poor. It's not that it's poor, it's just kind of echoey. It's not my end of the conversation, doesn't sound super high quality. Katie has several intersecting identities, and it has made it really challenging for them to date. I don't even know if it's about like Kansas City or if it's just about kind of where we are at in society. When someone like Katie gives out the letters that they identify with, it can give people a lot of opportunity to make assumptions. So we talked about approach. How do you actually approach the dating scene? How do you put yourself out there without leaving the door open for people to make too many assumptions about who you are and what that really means? There's so much variety with asexuality. There almost is like no two that are truly alike. It, it can really just manifest in a variety of ways. So if you've ever wondered what asexuality is like, or you have heard of demisexuality, gray sexuality, sapiosexuality, things like that, then this episode is absolutely for you. Also discussed in this episode are thoughts on asexuals at Pride. Who are some really wonderful influencers out there for people who are both ace or non-binary? What have some asexual or ace portrayals been like in movies, media, other forms of representation? And what does queerness really look like? How can it be explored when it's removed from sex? You are absolutely guaranteed to learn something in this episode. It's, uh, well, it's the end of the month slash beginning of a new month going into July, so do be sure to pick up the latest copy of The Pitch on newsstands already. It's out there now, and this month's episode was about age gaps and algorithms. I took a look at some of the, the research and thoughts, stigma even, that's around age gap relationships. I proudly wear the moniker of Puma, thank you. I am not a cougar. There is only five and three quarters years difference between us, and it's ten years to constitute being a cougar. So, uh, stop calling me a cougar, y'all. I'm a Puma. It'll be, uh, available in a digital version in, you know, like a week or two. Or if you're on my Safe for Work or Dirty Bird email newsletter, you'll get that in this month's newsletter, I'm sure. This is also my first podcast that I am putting out since the June 24th decision that overturned Roe versus Wade. 
And if you're a listener of mine and you follow my social media, you know that I'm pissed. I'm absolutely pissed. Abortion is healthcare. And what I would like to read to you is the World Health Organization's director's uh, statement that they made. Finally, in light of the decision by the U.S. Supreme Court overturning the Roe v. Wade decision, I want to reaffirm the World Health Organization's position. All women should have the right to choose when it comes to their bodies and health. Full stop. And I'll add all people. Because it's not just women that carry babies. Safe abortion is health care. It saves lives. Restricting it drives women and girls towards unsafe abortions, resulting in complications and even death. The evidence is irrefutable. Limiting access to safe abortion costs lives and has a major impact, particularly on women from the poorest and most marginalized communities. Over the last 40 years, the global trend is toward women having greater access to safe abortion. And while last week was a setback, it is more important than ever to come together to protect women's right to safe abortion everywhere. If you or anyone you know are in need of assistance, there's lots of resources out there. Please, of course, make sure that you follow my, my Twitter. I'll, I consistently share resources like NARL, you know, the abortion funds that are out there. You know, if you can't afford to travel to a state where abortion is legal, there's funds out there that can help you. Keep protesting. Keep having conversations. Keep the narrative going. Keep protesting. Do all the things. Just keep this active. Keep this alive. And, fellas, if you're listening and you agree with the things that I'm saying and you haven't spoken up yet, you now have some homework. We need you in this fight, too. Talking to people in your life that you care for and respect and make sure that they're on the same page about basic, fundamental human rights. My hope is that one day we can look back on this time in history and just shake our heads, God the fuck, man. But yeah, we, uh, we've got some fascism to fight, y'all. All right. My feelings about this aren't ever going to get better until it gets better. So, um, sorry to leave you on a little sad note there on the intro, but, you know... I no longer have equal rights in the country that I once loved. I will not be fucking celebrating the 4th of July. Thank you very much. Fuck you, America. You don't give a shit about me. I ain't giving a shit about you on the federal level. So, um, Unless Joe Biden actually makes this a successful run with uh, doing away with the filibuster to codify Roe v. Wade. <laughs> yeah, short of that, I'm not going to be celebrating America for a very long time. I know I've got listeners from other countries, so like, just know, like, this shit's just fucking whack. And two-thirds of us are not happy about it. So, thank you, as always, for listening to my rants. I love you all. Stay safe out there. Go fight the power. On this episode of Keep Them Coming, I am joined by Katie M., who I met through the Mid-America LGBT Chamber of Commerce. They are a hospitality professional, and they also identify as a non-binary asexual. And in honor of Pride Month, I said I was going to have someone who identifies on the ace spectrum because I don't have the opportunity to have 
people that I know who identify as ace on very often because it, it is something that, um, well, for one, there's not many of y'all out there. Right. Two, it's something that a lot of folks do keep a little bit more private. You know, not many people who are asexual want to come on a sex relationship podcast. So I understand and I really appreciate you being on here today, Katie. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. So let's just get into it if we can. You know, we we talked a little bit before the show about some of the topics that we want to discuss. I I had to do so much research when I became a sex coach because I didn't actually know that I knew someone who identified as ace. And then, you know, the more I have been out there, there's definitely been some like, hey, did, did you know? And I'm like, no, I had no idea, but tell me more. I want to learn. So I don't want to treat you like I'm going to just poke and prod you and ask you 50 questions, but like, you know, I want to know more. The listeners definitely need to understand more about what asexuality entails a bit more. You don't have to give everything because like you're not a monolith, but where do we start here today? Yeah, absolutely. It is, um, yeah, like you said, um, there's not many of us out there. So the journey definitely was like very dark and rocky because I didn't have any representation um, in my immediate life, in my social circles, um, in the media, on TV and movies, even in books, there just wasn't representation at all. So it actually took me forever to figure it out. It was this puzzle that I was like, I don't even have the pieces to put it together. You know, so there wasn't a there wasn't anywhere to go. The internet had nothing about it. I didn't have any friends to ask. You know, I was always very aware of, you can like men and you can like women and you can like both. And that's, that was it that I knew of, mm-hmm. you know, which was ace exclusive and also uh, gender diversity exclusive. Yeah. So my, my coming out and my figuring out who I was took a really, really long time. Um, I always knew that I was not straight but I didn't identify as, you know, when I was younger, still identifying as a female exclusively, I knew that I wasn't just attracted to women. Mm -hmm. I knew that I wasn't just attracted to men. I knew that I wasn't initially sexually attracted to anyone. So I was always just very confused with who I was. Things got even more confusing when you add in romantic attraction and, uh, you know, aesthetic attraction and physical attraction, because all those things can still be happening. And for someone mm-hmm. who has no basis or experience with um, sexual attraction onset, just by meeting someone, those wires can get very easily crossed. So I would have a crush on somebody and be like, oh, I must be straight because I have a crush on this boy, mm-hmm. or I have a crush on this person. And it was confusing because yes, I wanted to be around them and be near them and and receive their attention and give them my attention, but I didn't want to hop in bed with them, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was mm-hmm. so and for me. And there's such a rush to label things, right? Yeah. So people can understand us so that we can find more information. Like, oh, if it's this, I must be that. We grab on things that so we can try to like find a path to go down. Yeah, absolutely. So I found, you know, it, throughout all this, I, my labels most closely identify with asexuality. I don't have specific onset, you know, sexual attraction to folks when I meet them, Mm -hmm. Um, but I am pan romantic. So I can very easily fall in love with literally anybody does not matter 
who they are, what they look like, what they identify as. Um, I also definitely believe that I'm, you know, don't know what these terms are, and I'm sure they're out there, but again, hard to find, you know, mm -hmm. I'm physically attracted to folks. I'm aesthetically attracted to lots of people. It doesn't matter mm -hmm. again, what they look like, what Same. their parts are, what they're, right. You know, like I can, I literally could fall in love and spend my life with just about anybody, but that doesn't mean that I will start that relationship or continue that relationship because of the sex life. Mm -hmm. um, but that's not to say that I don't enjoy sex, that I don't participate in it with my partners. It, I, you know, sexual attraction is something that can grow on you when you get to know all the other facets of somebody and all those other means of attraction line up. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes I like to like equate it to, um, this is just the best way I can describe it, especially to the straight folks. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, you might love your husband and you might want to have sex with him. You might be physically attracted to him, but you two might not have anything to talk about. You might be lacking in any of those emotional, um, intellectual connections, but you probably will seek out ways to work on that. You know, you might take an interest in some of their interests. You might ask them deeper questions about what they're interested in. You might sacrifice some time doing something that you love to participate in something that they love. And it's not going to harm you or hurt the relationship anyway. It actually helps it grow. So the same thing is with me and a sex life part of a relationship. All those other attractions could be top notch 100%. Um, and I will participate in sex. I'm favorable for it. It feels great. Um, just because you're asexual doesn't also mean that you're not able to be aroused. Right. Or, or that you're celibate. <laughs> right. Or that you, that there's something wrong physically with your body. Right. You know, all the parts can still work. You can still enjoy sex. You can still receive um, incredible orgasms. You can still give them, but it might just not be your top priority. It might not just be your, your initial, um, the initial part that draws you in to yeah. somebody. Can I ask you, when yes. you, when people talk about, say like fantasies or desire or things like that, the thing that I've tried to help people understand is that for a lot of people who are asexualists, maybe not that they, they don't want to have any fantasies or desire. It's just, it's just not in their brain. It's just not something that fuels them. It's not something that's consistently coming up for them. And so fantasy and desire looks very, very different for people on the A spectrum than it does other folks. It's not that they're suppressing anything. It's more like the absence yes. of it. Yes. Agreed. The absence of it is probably the best way to describe it. Mm -hmm. It's not that I'm saying no to it. I don't want it. It's not that I shut it out from myself. It's just, you're right. It, it's not there. It just mm -hmm. is not there. I was so confused. I still am so confused sometimes when that's that's the only thing that's there for some people, <laughs> you know, they're driven by their sex drive. They form relationships, they form professional relationships. Yep. They, they treat every relationship, whether or not they're going to sleep with that person with their sex drive as the first thing in their mind. So yep. I think it's a benefit for asexual people. They get to see the world in a very different way. And it is the absence of all of that. And I do think that Sexuality is just a facet of who we are. The, yeah. the modern day media and society that we live in would lead you to believe the exact opposite, that it's it's number one. You know, we sell with sex, we we approach with sex, we, we uh, base people's worth on their sex appeal, 
um, how much sex they have, how many sexual partners they have. Yep. It just, it's sex all around me. I think it's so like, it's like low hanging fruit. You know, it's, it's, it's something that is easy to tap into to get people to feel an experience desire or a vast majority of people to experience. Yes. And if you can tap into getting that spark of desire and then we're like, Whoa, I like that. That basic feeling of, I like that mm-hmm. drives so many people. It drives that reptilian brain that is activated in sexual people, not asexual people. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, uh, I hate that marketers figured out so long ago, you know, that they could like, oh, we'll just, we'll just get that little reptile brain to to activate and we'll get that sale. No problem. Because it is uncomfortable Mm -hmm. for so many people to win it. Even for myself as a sexual person, it is uncomfortable for me to see some of those Carl's Jr. ads. Yeah. They used to run, you know, (laughs) like Paris Hilton and the burger and like, exactly. you know, it's, it is everywhere. And we don't even have to get into the things that it does for our ideas about body image and beauty standards and all that to just simply say that like we are bombarded with sexuality in media all the time and like admittedly hey I'm, I'm part of it I try to make it as more of an informational and educational part but you know right. I participate in it too admittedly yeah I think the disconnect is not everybody has it, but it is something that we have found is a common thread without, you know, throughout humanity, you know, technically our purpose is for reproduction, et cetera, is what that belief, you know, kind of comes from. So they think that they can tap in to everybody with it. Um, but I think that they've reinforced that that's the most important facet. You know, I think it's learned, you know, it's innate in sexual people to be sexual, but it's learned for it to be the center of how you move about life and how you treat others, how you see yourself. You know, a lot of folks' decisions are based on that. You know, am I gonna be attractive to this person? Will they wanna sleep with me? You know, even if it's not someone they're trying to have sex with. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It's wild to see as an outsider of that. (laughs) And then we talked about earlier how um, the LGBTQ plus community is highly, highly sexualized, you know, Mm the terms were coined based on folks' sexual identities and preferences and orientation. And I think that the community is so much larger than that. Mm-hmm. It's really important for me as an asexual person to remind folks like we are the A, we are here. It doesn't stand for ally. Right. You know, <laughs> like queerness has so much more to do than, you know, with who you're sleeping with. Mm-hmm you know, queerness means so many things. It includes gender diversity, which also generally doesn't have anything to do with who you're sleeping with. That's an, that's a, something you figure out after you figure yeah. out your gender. So it's, it was ultimately very confusing as an asexual non-binary person, because I was trying to figure out my sexuality based on who I was attracted to, based on who I thought I was in, yeah. in my gender journey. Mm-hmm. So it switched a million times. I was like, oh, I must be a trans man. Oh, I must just be um, a tomboy. Oh, I must just, you know, and then I was like, okay, so if I'm, if I'm a woman, I either like guys or, or I like girls or I like both, or, you know, Mm -hmm. basing basing my journey of trying to figure myself out on who I thought I was then in gender, (laughs) you know, whereas now I know that I'm non-binary, I'm asexual, all these things, they, they had to be worked out hand in hand. 
but they also still kind of had nothing to do with each other. But I was so obsessed with finding those labels because that's what the community says we need to do. Label yourself, find your letters. Yeah. With this letter, this is how you need to act in sex and in relationships. And if you're this And letter, here's your flag. That's right. Exactly. Exactly. So it just is, it all can be mixed and convoluted, but I think just folks need to realize we're all part of one bigger community that mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily always have to involve sex. Yeah. It's almost like we just need to have like, hmm, pick, pick a color for every little thing that we can figure out. And then you design your own flag. Exactly. <laughs> You've got all I these different stripes, all these different cool. sections. Because for, for you as someone who's asexual, non-binary, and pan-romantic, like that's, and a lot of listeners out there may be going like, wait, whoa, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. But I'll, I, I will say I love my listeners. I feel like I do have some very highly informed listeners, whether that's because of this show or just because like they're drawn to the show because they are those kinds of people. But um, we love having yeah. them around. Thanks for listening. And participating. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's a lot of intersectionality. Yes. That's a lot of different things to navigate as you're, you know, trying to understand yourself and trying to you know, find a partner in life. And can I ask when, cause you're in your late twenties. So mm -hmm. when, when did you really start feeling, as you say, exploring the letters, what, how old were you when you really started questioning things? Oh, yourself? this was like five years ago. Well, well, I was, I've been questioning since I was a child, but like I said, had no um, representation or basis. There was no language for me to describe those feelings. Mm -hmm. So I kind of just, and because I had that absence of um, like kind of initial sexual desire, it never really felt like um, there was something that I needed that I was missing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so somebody who would be very sexual, not figuring out their sexual relationship, it might be like contentious and kind of hard, but for me, it was the absence of it. So I could kind of put it on a back burner mm -hmm. and not really worry. Um, mm -hmm. I had great social circles and things when I was younger, so I didn't, you know, feel the lack of a partner or anything like that. But yeah, I think it was like five years ago when I, I was reading um, about demisexuality and I was like, mm -hmm. holy shit, this is the first thing I have ever come across that even slightly described my experience. And so, of course, diving deeper into that, you find the asexual umbrella, which is huge. There's... Yeah a huge, I mean, I, can, I won't even go through all the terms because there's so many. Um, and it has to do with, you know, there are asexuals who are completely uh, disgusted and repulsed by sex and want nothing to do with it. There are mm -hmm. asexuals who are very sex favorable and do have a high sex drive, but the attraction is not directed at any specific person, gender, or other sexual orientation. There are asexuals who only that would this would be the demisexual kind of uh, facet of it would you know they're only sexually attracted to somebody who they formed deep emotional and or romantic relationships with, and there are asexuals who have very healthy sexual relationships um, that they just enact with a fully sexual partner because they want to give back to their counterpart and be a part of that relationship you know so it's it's all over the spectrum i think the misconception is oh you're asexual you must be a weirdo your parts don't work you, you know you don't like anybody or you're no. disgusted by you yes know, you, yes mm -hmm. yes which as you mentioned it was it's sex repulsed versus mm -hmm. sex what how'd you put it again favorable favorable mm -hmm. yes i have read 
that as I've been educating myself. The sex, the difference between sex repulse, like completely do not want to see it. It's gross to you, mm-hmm. things like that versus like, it's not for me, but I'm okay with what you do. Or I like mm-hmm. it sometimes. And again, being or I like it with a just lot a of specific person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Very wide spectrum. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, it's just as, just as, you know, uh, the, the LGBTQIA plus spectrum is so wide. There's umbrellas underneath, you know, all of it. And I would, I would dare to say that there are a lot of people who identify as gay, lesbian, bisexual, who don't necessarily have that intense sex drive. They might be very aesthetically, emotionally, physically, and romantically attracted to, you know, same sex or or whomever that they identify, you know, as their attraction, but still may not be driven by sex Mm -hmm. or have desire unless it's specific time, specific partner. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, and same goes for this, the straight community. So when, when, when we say there aren't a lot of asexuals, I think there are a lot of, there are not a lot of people who realize that they may fall under the asexual spectrum. Yes because yes. they're driven by this media that says you have to participate in it. And if someone meets someone and they click on every other level, but the sex isn't great, likelihood they're still going to be together. And one of them, wherever the desired discrepancy is, is going to make up for it in, you know, doing a little more than they might have initially been willing to and or comfortable to do. I'm not saying they're putting themselves in any danger or no, right, right. like that, or, you know, doing things they don't like or don't want to do. But again, like I said, if you don't like watching hockey with your partner, it, you, you sometimes will just to make them happy. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So I think there are a lot of yeah. couples straight or LGBTQIA that, that have yes. that discrepancy and one of them might not realize it. Yes. I like the way that you made that hockey analogy. Cause yeah, the, <laughs> the other person that maybe sitting there watching hockey with their partner because they know it's something their partner really likes to do and they don't have a bad time doing it. It's just not right. necessarily like something that they, they choose it. or drip. They wouldn't choose it. They're not driven to watch it, but you know, when it's on, they do enjoy it. They yes. actually have a pretty good time once they sit down and get into the game, Yes, but they may not want to do it every time their partner wants to watch a game. Right. And, and maybe sometimes they're going to be better games than others. But again, it's that, maybe a bit of compersion that seeing your partner experience desire makes you happy. Yes. So there's, there's a lot of nuance to that. Absolutely. So nuanced. Yeah. So can I ask her, are you in a partnership currently? I am not. Uh, I have had an extremely difficult time uh, dating, especially in Kansas city. You've I've no offense to Kansas city, but I've heard it described as a cesspool. (laughs) In the dating community. Um, Apparently we just got one of the worst cities to date in on one of those yeah, lists lately. Exactly. Like you speak yeah. Wichita was number one. Apparently we're number one right now. Yeah. Which it's, I, Wichita was always number one because of high propensity of churches and low mm-hmm. propensity of things that were, you know, for socials, yeah. including bars or like sporting events or just, yeah, we're, we are lacking. And yeah. I'm hearing it from my clients. What a dumpster fire it is out there. Fire. So it's tough. And, and I need a lot of these men. I'll say it's men. It's mostly the men out there. Okay. Yeah. Um, you guys, if you're listening and you're a single man in KC, you're not currently partnered up, please call me. You, you need help. <laughs> you need I help. heard you need you help. Be partnered. Right. <laughs> I specialize in 
taking kind of like sweet little little baby birds that just need a little bit more guidance, a little bit more growth. And I, I set them out into the world when they're fully yeah. grown to form to be great partners to yeah. other people. So yeah, it's just really sexually driven. You know, I'm only um, yeah. approached in public or online dating, you know, in that way, it's just not as common to find someone who is also seeking a relationship where you get to know the person very well first before those, before, you know, sexuality and those things are even, you know, shared, not necessarily shared um, verbally, but before you, you know, take action with somebody, there's just very few people that, um, that I have found so far that are willing to kind of get through all of that when there's no, I hate to, to say it as this because sex is not a reward, but that's the way that I've made to feel is that, I'm not worth the time and effort to get to know if, if this other person who is a sexual person does not know if I will be sexually attracted or want to, you know, you know, engage in that with them. Mm -hmm. It's hard hard up to find somebody who's willing to like wait around to maybe, or maybe not have a sexual relationship. You know, they, everyone doesn't have the time for that anymore. They want to swipe on an app and have someone in their bed in 30 minutes. You know, it's, Uh, which is so or at sad. least nudes in their inbox in 30 right, minutes exactly like, oh, even that. exactly so it's yeah. it's really difficult um so I do I have some like you know friends that I um would consider you know partners in other ways not in sex that that mm-hmm. I you know rely on for emotional support that I um you know rely on for uh you know, intellectual support. Sometimes I have to complain about my job to somebody just as you would go home to your partner and do the same. So I have a lot of friends that I would consider partners, but it's hard to use that word as a queer person because then people assume you're sleeping together. Yeah. So yes. Yes. <laughs> it's just very different. And um, like you were saying earlier, when I described, you know, asexuality, non-binary, panromantic, it's a super turnoff to get into all that with a lot of people, you know, you start to confuse them and they're like, oh my God, this person is a uh, I forget there's a term for it when you're just when you're just so politically correct it becomes you know annoying you know and people don't want to dive in and learn about all that stuff and have to question their own sexuality and and uh, you know the facets of their attraction to others you know I think it can be kind of threatening almost too yes yes and here comes my coach voice. Cause when I say yes, <laughs> yes, and <laughs> cause I don't disagree. Do you want someone who hasn't at least started that process though? Oh, gosh, no. You know? Right. Yeah. So there, yeah. there we go. There's your weed No, right. You find out immediately meeting someone if they're willing to or not, mm-hmm. or you, you meet someone because you know that they are. And those, yeah. those are, you know, those are always successful relationships, but in my experience in the dating pool, if someone is immediately done when I'm like, yeah, I identify as asexual, I have to preface it with, but that doesn't mean I don't not like, you know, I have to Mm -hmm. still let them know that it's a possibility for them, for them to even give me the chance of getting to know me and wanting to, you know, figuring out if they want to be in a partnership with me. So it's, it's really difficult. And it's sometimes very hurtful that folks are just immediately you know, they have no intention and that's fine. I don't, like you said, I don't want to be with that person, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it would be lovely if everyone could just start to deep dive into their own (laughs) stuff, but like no resources for it. People don't even know what they don't know. You are exactly correct on that statement. I see that all the time. Sometimes you just don't know what you don't know. I mean, and 
being a coach who works with people of you know quite a, a wide age spectrum, there, there are people who are well over 50, sometimes in their 60s and 70s, who are just figuring out, like when they come across a resource, as you say, you know, when you came across something that described demisexual and that light bulb moment, like, oh, whoa, I hadn't thought about that before. That is happening for a lot of people over mm-hmm. 50 because they are just now getting exposed to resources and media, even if it's just a glimmer from whether it's like my post or it's a podcast or Bojack Horseman, I think is one of the very right. few. <laughs> yes, I just got together, goosebumps right? when you said that because I was just going to say um, the only two uh, instances that I had had when I was figuring this out was the character on Bojack Horseman mm-hmm. um, was asexual. I was very surprised when I saw that. Um, but then something else that it makes me a little bit emotional um, was that Tim Gunn, he was like the coach on Project mm-hmm. Runway. And he was just an incredible, absolutely incredible role model. Um, not only just like in an industry that's very exclusive, you know, he just was, he's probably one of my favorite, you know, ace icons because he's not a weirdo. People don't talk about his asexuality or, or, um, they don't diminish his accomplishments and his input in things because of his sexuality. I actually did not know that he was ace. Yes. I, I know of him. I, mm-hmm. lo- I love the gifs of him. And I, yes. I have seen some of his quotes and he seems absolutely amazing. Yes. Um, but I never really watched Project One Way. Yeah. And I, I did totally growing up, <laughs> but it was just, I was amazed to find that out. And it just was so cool. It was so mm-hmm. cool. Thank you for letting me know that because I, yes, I you know, I need to know these things like Ace Icon. I will absolutely yeah. remember so that I moniker. Think he had had um, a male partner for many years, but it came out later that it was just like, yeah, this was our partnership. It was, you know, we were in love, we were together, but he identifies asexual, and I was like, that's so cool. Mm-hmm. But really, still to this day, there aren't very many other, you know, representations of it. And when there are, um, there was a new show that just came out, Heartstopper, which I would encourage everyone to watch. It was they've done an incredible job of portraying uh, the queer youth, you know, these days. Mm. Um, there is mm-hmm. one character better than euphoria yeah way better <laughs> oh my god like i get that there's definitely some drug fuel parties out there amongst the youths but holy shit that was a little right. that shows a little bit much it's a little much but it, and then well, i'll check out heartstopper dramatization of it but yeah heartstopper was initially um a graphic novel which i had read absolutely loved just very sweet and wonderful um but they do a pretty good job of portraying um, queer youth, but they do have a character that you kind of are led to believe is asexual, but he's like a book nerd and doesn't have much to say. And, you know, the, their group accepts them, but that seems to be the vein of representation in, in ace communities is that you're a weirdo, you are probably on the spectrum, you, uh, you know, are a nerd, you have weird social skills, you, you know, so that's kind of the representation that is out there when you go to seek it shows mm-hmm. movies, um, they, they kind of portray the ace community as just kind of being odd, you know, folks. And it just, that was never, uh, you know, representative of me or, or my experience. I love to be social. I have a lot of friends. I'm outgoing. I'm loud. I'm, you know, all these different unique things that just kind of never saw a representation of that. The people in my life that I know that are ace are none of, I mean, like, right. Okay. I can't say not nerds, but like, I'm a nerd or geek, whatever, but, but 
not that like they're not super introverted right um there's not like they just there's nothing that sticks out about them my one friend Courtney she does Victorian hair art and she dresses pretty goth so okay I will admit Courtney sticks out <laughs> Courtney Lane sticks out but she was on my show um my, my first uh, actually we did um the A does not stand for ally or the yes. A stands for asexuality I can't remember the title of it, yes. one of those. but we were making the point of like oh yeah folks ally is not what's in that uh that alphabet suit there yeah um but I I do see what you're talking about about sometimes there's that or even um incels Mm-hmm. um yeah yeah oh yeah we're equated to that all the time like yeah. it's like it's involuntary and that we're angry because other people are doing it and we don't get to do it or something that's so far off yeah yeah and, and i don't know it, there is i haven't gotten to like infiltrate the incel community i, I had a, a guest on here that she works with a lot of people who kind of come out of that mindset mm-hmm. but we didn't really talk about like how again there might be you don't know what you don't know so maybe some of those folks just hadn't really explored the fact that they weren't actually experiencing desire. Therefore, they didn't pursue anything. Therefore, they didn't get anything. And then, mm-hmm. you know, their unhappiness maybe more, more was from not knowing themselves than right. not getting laid. Well, and a lot of times you find people pursuing it because they think that's what they need to do yeah. to, to, to fit in, to be valid, um, to feel good about themselves, to be seen um, in a good light by others. Mm-hmm. So I do think there are a lot of people who do force themselves into se- sexual situations because it's what seems to be expected. Yeah. You know, whether or not they're attracted to that person or not, whether or not they're asexual or not, like people I think tend to jump into those because they think that's what's expected of them by society, by the, that partner, by, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> everything that we're taught from the moment we're born. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, yeah. absolutely. That makes sense because I mean, I can't count how many times I've heard people say like, well, I mean, it wasn't like I really wanted to have sex the first time. I just kind of felt like it was time to do it or everyone else around me was doing it yeah. or <laughs> like, it was just that expectation or they didn't want to reach a certain age and still be a virgin. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Because it, again, society is so, so sex driven. I have had to actually let's take a quick break okay and I'll come back to this thought okay (laughs) it's time for a quick break I promise it'll just be a minute so stay tuned I'll be right back after a few words that help me get paid Okay, back from the break. Let's make sure I didn't lose my my train of thought here. So like, <sighs> okay, I'm not trying to like get into talking about anything that might be like riddled with trauma or things like that. But you know, and, and again, in your experience in life and maybe talking to other people that identify as asexual, was that something that's ever come up? That discussion of like your first time and thoughts and feelings around that and you know, yeah. whether it was just like, I kind of just did it just to see what was going on. Like what, yeah. what are, what are, you know, the first time the sexual debut yeah. experiences often like for people that are yeah. when they kind of, to me, not be able to process it obviously in the moment, but later looking back at it, obviously there's the ability to analyze it and break it down. So, right. So I think that would pretty much align with, with my experiences. I thought that it was expected of me. Um, 
So I don't, I wouldn't say that it was ever necessarily traumatic because I always, you know, had consented. Um, but yeah, I, my first sexual experience was pretty young um, because I was, I had a huge super crush on this person and, you know, aesthetically they were so hot. You know, I loved being around them. I, uh, you know, wanted th them to desire me. And, you know, I had a desire for them, even though it wasn't, you know, overtly sexual. Um, so it just, you know, happened that we uh, slept together and, you know, it was fun for me and the connection of it and like getting to know someone and then, and providing someone else with pleasure. But I derived virtually no physical pleasure from it necessarily. Um, so I thought for a long time, you know, with, with that partner and with a couple others up until the last, you know, I would say like five to eight years, um, I thought I was broken. There was something mm -hmm. wrong with me, you know, it was confusing because I had slept with multiple people uh, of different gender identities. Mm -hmm. Sexual experiences were confusing because I knew that I wasn't a lesbian because I wasn't deriving pleasure from, you know, sex with other women, mm -hmm. you know, I realized that I was definitely not a gay trans man because I wasn't really deriving pleasure from, you know, penetration or sex from a, a man. You know, I wasn't overtly attracted to just trans people, you know, we did all the toys and the things like it just, I was really thought there was something wrong with me or that I was broken mm -hmm. until I learned the, you know, the language for it. But what I derive pleasure from is, is giving pleasure, you know, even if I'm not receiving um, giving that to a partner that is arousing for me, that is pleasurable for me. It makes me feel, you know, stronger about the relationship, more connected to the person. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm not a necessarily a sex repulsed ace in general. It, I won't think about it for six months, but if you want to go for it, let's do it. If that's what you want as my partner, you know, I mm -hmm. never had any struggles or, or trauma around um, sex necessarily. I really just, uh, it was a tool almost to kind of hone in on where I fall on those spectrums. Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't ever unenjoyable. I wouldn't say that I ever put myself in a situation that, that made me uncomfortable or that made me think, you know, I was like doing your boundaries. another person. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. pushing any boundaries. So always consensual. Um, but I, I did know after the first, you know, probably three partners that I was like, okay, something, something's not right here. So there was a, huge chunk of time that I really thought I was broken or there was something wrong with me. Um, but until I, you know, started to learn that language and read more and connect with people online more, uh, it really started to fall into place. And now I don't really have any hangups about it. I'm not, you know, ashamed for it. I'm not, you know, embarrassed to talk about it. Um, but I do just kind of keep it to myself until, you know, someone asks Yeah, because it can be very confusing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you touched on something there that I think is really a common thread for people around their sexuality and around their desire, this idea of brokenness, mm -hmm. that if you don't fit in in a certain way to these things, then something interesting is wrong with you. And that, that broken versus whole mentality, yeah. I think, is so detrimental to us that if we can just say it's, it's it really is like every color on the spectrum and if you were looking at all of that on one big poster somehow that there's nothing right or wrong about a color it just is it just exists and we're all a little bit different and 
trying to get people to understand that about themselves because that that mindset of brokenness is so so limiting for us yes and it takes it takes some healing to get past that mindset so you know as you as you mentioned there's not a, a ton of stuff out there i mean if you're looking for resources about human sexuality you can definitely dive into some of those sites and find stuff that helps you understand this but for someone out there that might be listening to this and hearing things that are checking out their boxes that they're identifying with, do you have any resources that you checked out yourself or things you might recommend that people look at or listen to or read that were really helpful for you in your journey? Yeah. Um, so there is, I find um, some of my best resources are not necessarily ACE driven, um, but they're non-binary driven. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll spell the name for you because uh, I will butcher it, Alok Minan. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Incredible resource for anybody on the spectrum, um, uh, the LGBTQIA plus spectrum. It's just, it. they do the most incredible research and speaking and writing and poetry that just really is the most deep dive I've ever found into where all of this gender and sexuality stems from and comes from and why we know it the way we know it now but why yes. where it came from in nature and humanity they are really taking incredible. a very intellectualized yes. viewpoint and really dissecting some things about gender and human sexuality and society that like it's actually kind of giving me goosebumps just thinking about some of the things that i have seen them say because yes. it's even for someone like like myself and, and you have done this too that we we have had to dissect some things we've had to deconstruct some things especially with our religious upbringings yes um and the bullshit that our parents fed us <laughs> um yeah. they do a fabulous job of really i think getting people to have a more critical eye and a critical not i don't mean critical as in to critique something but to critique something within yourself and to yes. really like put the mirror in front of your face and question why you believe yes the way you believe. To say. ask yourself where did these beliefs come from and why do i hold them about myself and why do i expect mm -hmm. them for others so yeah and all of their research is based in fact and uh research mm -hmm. there is there is basis to everything they say and it is just absolutely incredible um, so really all of their ideas and, and writings um, are applicable to anyone in the community. How do you spell their name properly? A-L-O-K-V-M-E-N-O-N. That's their Instagram handle. Very good. Yeah, I follow um, There's one good, in another Instagram that I follow, um, a creator named Millie, uh, who uses she, they pronouns. Um, Felix uses they them pronouns and then Christopher he uses he zero pronouns um, but the Instagram is just arrow ace things just a e or a r o a c e t h i n g s um, they do a great job of representing not just asexuality but aromanticism as well mm. um, which are both we, we didn't talk too much about this one but uh, just as much as you can have a lack of sexual um, desire you can have a lack of romantic desire so you might have a really great sexual relationship with your partner but also not be romantically and you know in love with them so they just do a really good job of um representing the breadth of the ace umbrella mm -hmm. so they're great creators cool but otherwise um i wish i had more resources to give you i wish i had them for myself 
So if you come across any, please share, because otherwise when you just kind of Google search or start to search online, um, very small time creators with not a lot of backing, very old, um, you know, it's just not, it never took off when they started to create, so they've not continued. Um, so it's not a ton of good ones. There's even like an ACE dating app. But I was going to ask about that. Not great. That's not right. Great. Yeah. What's the one that you know of? I that's... find the name of it, but it's just, there's no funding in it. So it's really like hodgepodge and, you know, like DIY. I have to find it. So, well, Courtney Lane and her spouse, they have uh, a Twitter called the, the underscore ace underscore couple. Mm. Are you on Twitter? I'm not, but I... I'll, I'll see if she's on Instagram too. <clears throat> but they also have a website called theacecouple.com. And they, they found each other online. And it was only because... Royce had put in their profile that they were asexual. Mm -hmm. So then Courtney, you know, matched on them. And very cool. It was just kind of by luck. But she was saying she was so grateful that he was willing to be vulnerable and put that out about himself because otherwise she probably wouldn't have matched <laughs> with him. Right. Um, but they did start a podcast. There's also an activist that I just recently found on Twitter as well. Her handle is the Yasmin Benoit, B-E-N-O-I-T. I'm terrible at French, so I hope I said that right. But they are in the UK. She's in the UK, mm, I think. Okay. Um, I don't see her pronouns on here. So we'll just say they. They're in the UK. Um, say the but yeah, I started finding their stuff around like asexual day in April. Cool. Yes, um, okay, cool. Yeah, they're, they're really trying to raise raise the bar and i mean they were at the british lgbt awards right now so like even for an ace you know like yeah there's a lot of variety i was just showing katie something on the screen of of yasmin that you know they were they were wearing a sexy outfit right but they are still asexual so everyone's a little different we're all little different flavors yes it's important to know that like Asexuality doesn't mean like sexuality less. Yeah. You know, you can still have a great sexual relationship with yourself and your own body. You know, you can still want to portray sexuality, but it doesn't necessarily mean that you are driven by it. So I think people just got to realize it's not the lack of it always forever when, when you identify with it. Yeah. I think only the last question I had left for you for time-wise, um, how have your parents processed your journey? Because growing up in you know Catholic family, going to Catholic yeah. school, um, I grew up Baptist, so you know I have my own experience. But yeah, what was what has that been like? Like, where do you sort of stand with your folks these days? Yeah, so interesting question. Um, it was mostly don't ask, don't tell. Like growing up. Mm never had a conversation about it, never talked about it. I never brought a partner home. Um, it actually wasn't until very recently, uh, actually around Christmas time, this past Christmas, that I ever even brought it up with either of my parents. Mm -hmm. um, 
my mom, wonderful, accepting, lovely. She follows me on Instagram. She's seen for the last five years, all the things that I'm posting. She sees the, the groups of people I'm hanging out with. I've never had any um, worry that she wouldn't understand or wouldn't, you know, accept me or be there for it. It wasn't but, really going to be a surprise that you were queer in some right, way, shape or form. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I've um, come out to her as being ace. She didn't have any qualms with it whatsoever, but we've never really, you know, taken the deep dive farther into it. Um, or, you know, I've never, she never really asked me questions about it or anything. Um, but I think she just, it doesn't really matter to her. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's going to love m- me and my siblings, you know, mm-hmm. regardless of who, what we are and who we want to be around. Um, my dad's a little bit of a different story. Uh, we actually, I didn't plan even to really have the conversation with him. Um, but around Christmas time, we got into a pretty heated argument about whether or not, uh, trans people should be able to play sports. Mm-hmm. And he's on, of course, the side of no, they shouldn't because men are stronger than women, et cetera, et cetera. I'm never going to change that belief in him. And that's okay. Um, but when I talked about, you know, not necessarily always feeling like a woman, not identifying with femininity and, um, being asexual, not wanting to, you know, base a relationship on my, um, sexual preference, his response was kind of, oh, well, you'll meet the right person you know, you've got to meet somebody and, you know, you don't have to decide right now. You know, those were his, his kind of like reactions. Implying you'll find a man to fix you or you'll figure it out with a man one day. Yeah. Or Um, I'll, you know, I don't have to decide yet that that's who I am because I will, I need to, and will meet somebody that, that I'll get to fulfill a a normal quote unquote, you see my air quote relationship mm -hmm. with. Mm -hmm. So that was, kind of difficult. It's never been touched on again. We have a positive relationship. Uh, we like to watch sports together and hang out and be goofy and friendly, but uh, I just don't think that's part of me that he's willing to, I guess address is not the right word, but willing to dive into. He just doesn't have any understanding of it. So mm-hmm. when I used the word threatening earlier, I think he feels a little bit of that threatened by the unknown, threatened by um, how much I do know about, you know, sexuality and relationships and things like that. So, you know, I think he's just threatened by all this, this breadth of knowledge that he has no, you know, connection with. So I think, uh, I would hope that we can, you know, have an open conversation about it sometime, but unless that's something that he wants to learn about, I'm not going to, you know, antagonize the relationship with it. So it's, it's different, but they're great people. They have never done anything to make me feel, you know, unwelcome in the family or, or anything like mm-hmm. that. So you didn't get the boot when you started hanging out with queer kids or you didn't right. get like a line in the sand drawn. Yes. And he yeah. did say, you know, I'm always very impressed that you, you know, stand up for what you believe in, which I can't hand a compliment, kind of, <laughs> you know, like, right. It's like, I may not agree with you, but I appreciate your fortitude. Right. Yeah. Okay. You know, yeah. Or that, that my identity is a belief, you know, and not a fact. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yes. Yes. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I haven't really had that conversation from my, my parents. I did once joke about like, what if I moved out to Cass County and ran against Vicki Hartzler? Do you think, oh, this is like solid red out here. I don't, I don't know. He didn't say you shouldn't run for office. Yeah. He just said, 
it's too red out here. You might not win. Right. So I'm going to fucking do it. I'm going to run for office. Do it. You should. (laughs) Now my, actually it was funny, you know, talking about pride month this month, I I said something about it. My mom kind of like, because Matthew and I are both bisexual. So I think that was the comment. Well, it's like two bisexual people. And she's kind of like, you know, like, they're like, what? Kind of like, yeah. How does that work? And I was like, well, I mean, we're still bi, even though we're with each other. And she kind of like looked down at the floor. I go, what? I go, I, I didn't exactly like grab your face and go, mom, I'm bisexual, but I did play you that podcast talking about planning a threesome. Right. And then I told you that I went through with the threesome. She's like, I didn't know if you were just doing that to like have something to talk about on a podcast. (laughs) That was real. And I was like, oh, I thought thought that was my coming out story, mom. And here you just thought I was doing it for listens and likes. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, no. Uh, I was like, no, I have, I have been with women. I do enjoy it. I go, but I am also like thinking about things. Like I carry the pansexual flag at pride. Mm-hmm. And I didn't mind it because like, I am, I am starting to understand more about myself and mm-hmm. that label of bisexual doesn't actually totally fit because mm-hmm. there are definitely people who are non-binary that I have found myself attracted to. Mm-hmm. There are people who are of trans experience and, you know, wherever they may fit on that spectrum. Again, I, I can't say that they are male or female or anywhere. Like that's up to them to decide where they identify, but I'm still attracted to them. Yeah. So pan might be more where I'm at. Yeah. And the way that I've heard it described, um, bisexuality is being attracted to a likeness of yourself or the opposite of the likeness of yourself. Mm -hmm. Whereas pansexuality is just anybody in general. So bisexuality is not necessarily exclusive. Um, which gets, you know, bad rap in the community for like, oh, you're being trans exclusive if you're bi. Well, not everybody's attracted to trans people, just like not everyone's attracted to straight dudes. Not everyone's attracted to lesbian women. Like, you know, it's, it Mm -hmm. all rounds out. Yeah. I think that um, it is okay to take a journey and to, you don't have to like grab onto a label or a letter. Mm -hmm. You're not required to have it to be in the club. Right. (laughs) Like, I remember one time having a conversation with someone, they were like, so does, does this make me gay? As after they had described the situation, I was like, well, you know, first off, this is your first experience. You enjoyed it. That doesn't mean you won't enjoy a lot of other things. So maybe before you decide what, what quote unquote you are or who you are, just get out and explore and go like, I liked that. I didn't like that. I, the idea of that, that is a hard no. You got to figure that stuff out. And yeah. you may be someone that just likes a wider array of, of things than what you have been given permission to think is okay. And that's still okay. People can eat ham and cheese every day for lunch and enjoy it. Other people want to have ham and cheese one day, caprese the next day, um, turkey and roast beef the next day. Oh my God, day. that's me. Yeah, like- <laughs> I can't, that's why I cannot right. do meal prep because I don't <laughs> want the same fucking thing every day. And I kind of am the same with, with sex. I want a lot of variety here and there. Right. Actually, a lot of variety here and there. Yeah. So, so I think the reclamation of the word queer has been like probably one of the best steps forward for the community. I know not, yeah. that not everyone agrees with that word and some people are still kind of repulsed and disgusted by it, but 
I'm so proud to wear that label because it is so much simpler and so much more widely accepted to say I'm queer than to say I'm a non-binary, asexual, pan-romantic. Like, yeah. so. Same. I agree with you. I'm, I'm with you on and the it allows you for growth. It allows you to, to still continue to, to explore your labels and explore who you are without saying, oh, I can't change because I've now, I've already come out as this and this to everybody and it'd be too convenient, you know, it complements yeah. things. So I love yeah. the term queer. I do too, for that exact reason. And yes, I have enjoyed seeing that sort of be reclaimed. And that's something that I have thought about is that maybe just one day we're all, we can all just simply call ourselves queer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we, we don't have to necessarily have the, the L, the G, any of the things. Right. It's just, we're, we're all just queer people. And we all just have this umbrella moniker that we can all sort of fall underneath. And, you know, if we trickle down into our little categories after that, but that umbrella of queerness, I think it would be a, a beautiful uniter. Absolutely. And you wouldn't be required to deep dive into it with anyone other than who you are pursuing relationship with, whether that be romantic, sexual, emotional, mm-hmm. et cetera. Yeah, it absolutely. Would be protecting for us too. Yeah. Well, we are getting towards the end. We actually, I think we've taken we up a whole up. hour and that's okay. I'm cool with that. So, well, <laughs> last segment here, we've got Ask Coach Kristen anything. So, Katie, today, again, this segment is designed to either give you the opportunity to ask me a question you would like answered for yourself. You can ask for a friend or perhaps just get clarity on something that you get asked about and just want to see what a sex coach might add or um, see, you know, if you were right. Yeah. Okay. So I remember the first time we met was, I think it was just at a, like a a networking gathering for Mm -hmm. the LGBT chamber. And, uh, you introduced yourself and you were like, I'm Kristen, I'm a sex coach. And I was like, oh, I'm asexual. And it was just a really funny moment because I knew that we're probably the only two in the room who really know all like, you know, most that there is to know about (laughs) the community and sex and modes of attraction, things like that. How do we encourage our own community to learn more, to dive deeper into and to, you know, instead of saying, this is my identity, this is who I am, and then assume the same for the rest of the community. How do we encourage our own to uh, learn more? To get outside of their own letter yeah. <laughs> and things like that, yes. absolutely. Um, I feel like <clears throat> that is a great question, first of all. I, I know that one thing that I've often tried to do is to frame things as like, when you are a sexual person, and then I'll sometimes throw out like, shout out to my aces. This doesn't really apply to you all in every case. Or you know, try to at least throw out the qualifier of this isn't for everyone. This is for a lot of people, but here's our asterisks. And those are asexual people. Um, so I think making sure that when we're talking about things that we think sort of apply to the entire community, like the whole like, you know, who, who you sleep with shouldn't matter to politicians. Well, not everyone's out here supporting the community because of who they sleep with. So, you know, like, I think that also trying to be careful in how, especially right now, politically, we're framing things when we're talking about this stuff, that the more that people are sort of vocal about the mere existence of asexuality or, you know, talking about their friend who is Demi or things like that, and making sure that they're talking about it in a way of they're simply 
they are who they are, not comparing it to normal or abnormal, not comparing it to like weird or not weird. There's no normal. There's no weird. Yeah. People are just different. (laughs) Um, I, I think that the more that people like yourself do, oh, by the way, I'm, I'm asexual. Or if, if someone is, as you say, the LGBT community can be highly sexualized. And I'm not saying that in that moment that you are required to speak up and say like, hey, you know, this doesn't make me comfortable. But, but also in the planning stages of certain things, I think that we need to make sure we're including people who are on the A spectrum so that we are thinking about the fact of like, hey, the, the, the queer community is about more than just sex. Mm-hmm. And so like while pride uh, was a little tame <laughs> this mm-hmm. year, that there could be activities that, you know, the, the kink community can be doing their thing over here. We could have something more specialized for the ace and the demis and the, you know, folks like that. But there's, I think there's got to be more representation uh, in the community and that can't just stem from asexual people. I think it, it will take leaders in the LGBT community, making sure that they purposefully include people on the A spectrum and stuff like this. Like, and I, know, I feel like it took, I hate to say this, it took the lesbians and the gays finally being okay with trans folks for trans folks to be included in Pride. Right, even like, though they were the the historical uh catalyst of yep 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 a hundred percent and that would have been Um, yeah second portion to that is is the the exclusion of gender diversity uh they get stuck at the lgb you know mm -hmm. they sometimes forget about the t but i'm also glad that you um mentioned kink at pride because just as welcome as kink is at pride so should asexuals be you know everyone should be welcome in this community where that is is based on inclusion yeah absolutely i noticed that okay i mean i did not walk around a ton at pride this year because i after the parade i, I wore a wig y'all i was a lube fairy i wore a hot pink wig and i forgot how fucking hot wigs are and it was hot that day so i was overheated i started my period i figured that out after the parade so i had to go home so i didn't get to yeah. walk around much but i remember last year that i noticed that there was a tent covered in all sides uh and that was where the leather folks and the king stuff was going on. and part of me at first was like oh, the censorship and I was like wait a second the consent yeah asexuals didn't consent to seeing folks get flogged and, and neither did myself as, as a sexual right. person who might enjoy doing that I didn't consent to seeing someone else get flogged so I yeah at first like you got to go through the whole process of kind of like yeah. analyzing a situation right like I saw I saw both sides um but Absolutely. I think that yes there's there are certain communities where, you know, if you go to like Folsom Street Fest and that kind of level of pride, <laughs> you're going to see people in assless chaps and you're going to see people doing things in a parade. You go that before you go. You go yes. because you're seeking that. Yes. You know, so yes. we go to pride to seek inclusion. So yes. the community is absolutely welcome, but so is the ACE community. So I do think that it's just a matter of respect on everyone's front. The ACEs can't be out here being like, screw you guys, you're disgusting because that's shaming a member of the community. Whereas also the kink community can't be like, y'all suck, you're weirdos because you don't want this. You know, right. we all just have yeah. to be around each other and support what all of us do regardless of whether or not we participate. Yeah, I think this right here is literally a case of inclusion and visibility matter. Yes. 
Yes. I get, one of my questions would be to the Kansas City Pride Alliance is, do they have someone on their board who is on the ACE spectrum that can provide that voice of saying, these things are all great for it. People who like these things, now it's time for something that makes me yes. feel like I'm welcome at Pride. Absolutely. So you forget to mention our, our uh, queer friends with disabilities. Also yeah, a spot. that park was a little challenging for our queer friends with disabilities. Yes. So, yeah, just, yeah. If it's not in, intersexual and inclusive of all, it's not doing what it's set out to do. So it's very important. Yes. Thank you for adding that as well. I actually did speak to somebody at a networking event um, last Friday morning. Yeah, Friday morning that she's a mom with a queer kid who is in a wheelchair. And she was like, Pride was a little limiting for us. It was like, mm -hmm. I appreciate hearing that feedback. I I don't know someone on the Pride Alliance board. I know someone vicariously. So I was thinking about getting more involved with them yeah. next year to, yeah. Absolutely. Bring, you got to make sure we get all the voices of the community at the table. True. So, yeah. Very true. Well, Katie, this has been a wonderful and informative conversation. And I, um, once I get this edited, I know a couple people I'm going to send this to. So. Well, thank you, Kristen. <laughs> I appreciate you having me. I appreciate you just giving us a space to, when I say us, I speak for the ACE community. I shouldn't speak for all of them, but I just appreciate you including us in the conversation because um, like we said earlier, it's oftentimes left out. And I would love for more folks to get involved with educating themselves on what, uh, what we've experienced. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you and enjoy the rest of your day, my dear. I'll see you soon. Thanks, you as well. Have a good one. Thanks for listening to Keep Them Coming with Open the Doors Coaching. Please rate, subscribe, and share this podcast and check the show notes for stuff we talked about during the episode. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Clubhouse, and TikTok, but visit my website if you want more information about me and my coaching services. You can join my safe for work or not safe for work email list, which I call the dirty bird. If you want less censored content about sex and relationships and want to know what I'm up to, please subscribe to that list. Send me an email, Kristen at Open the Doors Coaching, if you have a question, want to book a session, or want more information on my upcoming workshops. My theme song is original music by M. Kusa. Until next time.